Hey guys, welcome to an episode, another episode of the 5 1 Volleyball Podcast. A little bit different than the last few weeks, Everett. Even though we live different. even though we live 15 minutes away from each other, we are doing this remote yes. because I unfortunately tested positive last night for uh, our, our favorite virus that we spent the last two and a half years embracing. You you did you you got the vid. I'm glad to see you're good and 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 healthy and uh, in good spirits. Uh, of course, we still had to do the show. Um, it's just another COVID episode. I had to do one on the nine by nine. Uh, what was it in January, February, and uh, now it's your turn. Also, um, I'm like maybe I'm like 99% sure I got it playing volleyball as well. So fitting. Ooh, okay, fitting. Yeah. No no masks on the court. Played like three times, two weeks in a row. So. That, that'll do it. Anyway, yeah, probably. on yeah. today's episode, of course, joined here, as always, Everett for Volleyball Source, where the YouTube channel where you'll be watching this if you're watching on YouTube, or you can check it out, the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast feed. We're going to go over crazy Champions League semifinals. Nuts. Once again, two years in a row, crazy, crazy semifinals for uh, Champions League. We're also going to go over some transfer rumors and a couple, couple other segments that are kind of kind of tangentially related to the results of the super finals or uh, sorry champions league semifinals and also do a little give it give a little early preview of the super finals so why not everett where would you like to start do you want to go again a, a very disappointing zaxa versus just Trebsheet? do you, yeah, do you have anything let's... to say on that or, or not um no i mean what zaxa won the first two 15 and 21 and it was over yeah. right that's 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 basically what it was. It's what I expected it to be. Um, you were really high on JW. I'm not sure why. That was pre-COVID too, so you can't even blame it on COVID brain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I mean, obviously JW made it interesting coming back and pushing it to a fifth. Probably was just more so annoying for Zaxa than than anything else. Um, well, the Zaxa. Yeah, I mean, the bench coming in and. It's it's a fake fifth set, and we'll get to that later. Yeah. We'll talk about the rule changes, maybe section. Yeah, I, I, absolutely right. So it's uh, it, it it is what it is. Um, I think Zaxa definitely benefited the most out of any team benefiting the you know the most of having the Russian teams removed. It's potentially Zaxa. Um, their path to the Super Finals. I'm not going to say it's illegitimate because it, you can't say that, but having to beat what Berlin and then, uh, and then JW, it just, ah, it, it doesn't really hold. It doesn't really hold up to me. Um, so, but Hey, they, they got, they got the wins and they made it to the finals. And uh, surprisingly enough, we're going to be having a rematch as Trentino did what I didn't think was good, was going to be possible. Um, lost the match, but won the golden set. And what oh, <laughs> Rob St. Clair described as one of the best Champions League matches of all time. I mean, it was. It, it, it was so reminiscent of those uh, like Zenit Kazan Zaxa battles or the Lube Zaxa battles we had last season. I mean, just the amount of like crazy back and forth volleyball that we've got in the last couple of years here is crazy. Um, yeah, there's so much to talk about with this match. Just one more question about Zaxa before we put that away. Do you think this year's team is better than last year's Zaxa team? No, I don't. I think that they did a very good job at replacing the the, the big pieces um, that that they that they needed to. Um, but uh, I don't think that like we we've talked about it before like the the intangibles that um, Kokonovsky and Toniuti and Zatorsky brought to that to that team. Um, I think that where you get the least amount of drop off is Zatorsky to Eric Shoji, but still Zatorsky was such a a stalwart leader uh, on that team. And then the way hey, that Toniuti Eric Shoji he's, he's a good locker room presence as well. Absolutely, he's a, he's a good locker room presence, but you can't tell me it's the same as having you know living legend Polish legend legend yeah. Zatorski in the in the the locker room. Yeah, whereas, the guy who speaks you know, Polish too. The guy who speaks Polish. He's he's been around all of these guys. These young Polish guys. They grew up watching Zatorski. You know, they watched him win a world championship back in two, 2014. So 
you know, yeah, like I, I think that they, they miss they miss a lot. We've we've talked about a lot about how much that first tempo offense between Tony Uti and and Kokonovsky is really one of the biggest holes that they have. Um, where you know the that first tempo like is was so quick that you had to respect it. And then I don't think Janus's offense is as varied as Tony Otis has time at times. That's a fair point. But I, I think we've seen this year that when you have that trio of wings, Semenyak, Slivka, and Kaczmarek, who, who seem, if anything, even better this year, like you don't even need the first tempo offensive because those guys are just scoring efficiently on any kind of set you throw at them. Anyway, we'll get to that later as well. What we're going to break down, maybe do a quick preview of the super finals. But let's hop on back to uh, Perugia versus Trentino. As our buddy Rob said, one of the greatest matches in Champions League history. Everett, I'm going to start off with, with a point here. This is two games in a row for Wilfredo Leon coming up short. And I say this as a guy who, who owns a Wilfredo Leon jersey. Probably the only guy in Canada who owns a Perugia Wilfredo Leon jersey here. You, you, you can't be the best player in the world. You can't be the leader of the team. And what was it? 15 for 29? 15 for 39. Getting blocked nine, nine times, Everett. Getting blocked nine times. And four unforced errors. And those blocks, five from Liesnach, two from Micheletto. I think one was just a, could it be any. And then also getting blocked by Spertoli. Yeah, these numbers don't look great on him. Um, and you know what? It, it, he didn't have the, the greatest of games. And it really seemed like Trentino's game was really to put pressure on him a lot of the time. Like they were going after him on their serves, and they were making him pass every single serve. And like we saw Lisniac with the short serves, and he was—they were making him move, and they put a big load on on Leon. They were triple blocking him a lot out of system. You know, there I was watching at times Spertoli, you know, before GNL even contact contacted that ball, and that that it was clearly like Trentino's a serve block game in this one was absolutely impeccable right and it's, it's ultimately what would help them create um that separation in the sixth in the in the golden set um but they did such a good job at when leon was in the front row putting trentino's serve receive under duress and forcing them to go high ball to the outside for him, for him, and they were so quick. Like they had, they had you know six hands in front of them so many times throughout this uh, this matchup. And yeah, nine blocks is a lot, and part of it is tested is is you know Leon needs to figure out better. But that's what we were seeing, especially towards the end of end of that that golden set. You know, he's going off the off the uh, the block of Spertoli and out of bounds and high off the hands, but. Those nine blocks is really a testament to how good and how solid um, the team blocking of Trentino is. And I want to give an MVP blocking performance here to Sreko Lisinac, who, yeah, just got a couple solo kill blocks on, on Mr. Leon in this match, uh, was everywhere. I mean, having middles like that ended up being so impactful for Trentino. Uh, th those two guys, I mean, they were just playing at such a higher level than, than Soleil. And Mangozi in this one, it was uh, that that part of the, that's part of where the battle was won and lost as well was was right, was right down the middle. Um, but yeah, Leon getting blocked nine times and another interesting Leon attacking sound. This, this is not necessarily his fault. Mr. Wilfredo Leon, another another one. Thirty six attacks on the left side and one only one pipe attack for the entire match. Wow. So. Only one pipe attack, and I mean, ultimately, that's 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 what happened in that last point, right? Where they, uh, who was it? Penali hit a bomb at him, and he passed it up, and he just wasn't an option at all in, in the back row. They went to Brichlicky, and he he put it out long. But you're right; it seemed like I really think that was part of Trentino's game plan, right? Was to put all of that pressure on him in, in server seam and server seam and take him out as much as possible from those back row attacks. Yeah, and you compare that to seven pipe attacks for uh, Micheletto. So Spertoli uh, running a, a lot more varied offense. Because, and, and again, I went, I looked through all those Leon attacks, and it's just he's going up against triple blocks and triple blocks. And, you know, and that, and then, so 
It's it's. I think it's, we it's, gave it's, all this praise to Gianelli. What like? But what is he doing differently at the end of the day than than Travica was? To me, it's right now. It's how he's utilizing the middles. Like if you look at the the middle numbers here for for Perugia, I mean, Soleil, eleven attempts over six set, six sets. That's that's not enough, right? That's a world class attacking middle. Uh, whereas Mengozi, Mengozi had six attempts. Fabio Ricci only had five attempts. So you're only going what? Like you're only going like what? Twenty two times in total to the middle, like ac across three guys over over six sets. And at that point, it's just becoming a highball offense to the outsides. And yes, Perugia, if any team has that ability to play it, play that way with Anderson. And I mean, Anderson quietly had a, a really good game over here with with twenty kills, sixty five percent attacking. Uh, only four errors overall. Definitely right? a, redemption, a redemption game for Mr. Anderson after after we I, criticized him in the uh, last week. Yeah, exactly. He took some heat, especially on the Discord. Um, but at the end of the day, like they just didn't utilize their middles good enough. And if you look at it too, it's not even like they didn't pass well enough. I mean, they passed decently, 53% uh, positive and 29% excellent. Way better than Trentino's numbers, by the, yeah. way, by the way. And Trentino was able to activate their middles more than, than Perugia. So to me, it's just that dominance down the middle where, where Trentino ha had them, both on the offense and the defensive side. That's really the hole that, uh, that Perugia had. Well, and I think there's one big thing that we're missing as well. Another huge element to Perugia's game, the service. And in this game, only four aces and, what was it, 20, 27 service errors for Perugia. So when, when you're thinking about the concept of this Perugia team, with Oleg Plotnitschke, with Wilfredo Leon, this, now with Simone Ginelli, with uh, Sebastian Sole, like all these, all these really top players, Matt Anderson, bunch of really strong servers especially leon when when you have leon on your team you're, you're you're a serving team and again second game in a row nine service errors for wilfredo leon which you know he's, he's almost missing every time he comes around and yeah okay he's still putting bombs in but yeah but 27 errors is is that's like even even though it was a longer match are you are, are you are you on the volumetrics uh stats yeah, yeah i'm on just because Mine are mine are a little bit are a little bit different. Twenty eight errors. Okay. I have on the based off of the okay. CEV ten attributed to uh, Mr. Leon. Oh, 10. So even worse. Oh no. Even 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 worse, right? So, uh, but four four aces for him. So, but still like a, f a four to ten like serve to uh, ace to error so, ratio. So good. I'll take is, it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still all right, but you know, to me it was just it, it to me it it. It seemed as well that Trentino worked way better as a team, whereas there's like there was like a few moments in that golden set specifically where it didn't like Perugia wasn't sure what they were doing in out of system scenarios, right? Where the libero wasn't taking that ball decisively, Leon was miscommunicating and 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 bobbling a ball, whereas it seemed like in every single scenario, like Trentino knew what was going to happen. Right, and at a certain point, like you're not going to be able to stop Wilfredo Leon from scoring. You're not going to be able to stop Matt Anderson from scoring. They're, they're going to happen, even if you put, you know, three sets of hands in front of them. Oh. Even if you, even if you serve tough, but if you can anticipate exactly what's going to happen enough times, like the ball is going to bounce your way eventually. It seemed like it seemed like Mikaleta plus Lisa Natch plus, you know, Kaziski or Lavia. That's what that's what that can definitely slow some hitters down. That's a, that's an impressive blocking lineup. Yeah, but but especially even more impressive that um, Kaczynski only played sets one through four, and then at that point they went to Lavia for set like did Lavia or sorry Penali yeah. did Penali mm -hmm. come in in the fourth set or did he come in um, later on? Why can't I find this? Yeah, so he came in he came in in the fourth set, and I mean Kaczynski wasn't great. He was eleven for for twenty two, passed passed pretty good, but eventually they just went to that regular system and and had Penali on on the right side and. And I mean, hey, Penali made a few, a few good plays, like especially that last swing there at, at 16, 15. So, you know, Trentino, they're just such a cohesive team, and it doesn't matter. They're so interchangeable that you can take out a legend like Kaczynski, bring in Penali, and they don't even miss a beat. Well, that's because Lavia, Micheletto, Penali, Spertoli, they've all been literally, first of all, training together since they were like 
children. <laughs> yeah. But literally have been like in the same locker room since for the last two years straight because they almost go straight from Super Finals last year into training camp for the Italian uh, team. And you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing the Italian team training camp and you go to the European Championships and you win the European Championships. You go right back into training camp for Trentino. That's definitely a good amount of chemistry, good amount of camaraderie. Um, plus, uh, Pedrashin and Lisanach. To, to, I mean, I think great idea keeping those two guys together because they are. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Keep the very funny together. guys, very easygoing guys. I can see how they would definitely set the tone as leaders on the team, but also, you know, I, I, I promise you, they don't put too much pressure on themselves. Like this is all, this is all free money for Trentino, right? These were not. This is not the expectation going into this year. I don't think. So. Hell no. Well, yeah. I. I, I like what was it Tommy and I did Tommy and Monty and I did a preview show and we were ranking them like we thought they might rank in underneath like Monza and Piacenza yeah. and here they are you know pushing I mean hey what we're gonna have to see what happens um in the playoffs this weekend right so right. they could be they could be in a, a weird <laughs> position where they get kicked out in the quarterfinals of the of the uh, Super Lega, but are going to the super uh the super finals for Champions League but that's that's how it goes sometimes well, like Zaxa last year when they, when they got beat by Estrebshi in the in the police. I mean, at least they're losing in the finals. It's not like you know, <laughs> yeah. like if because like like think about it, they could potentially win this year and not be in Champions League next season, and that's exactly yeah. what would, like if they lose to Piacenza, what is it either today or, or, or t- tomorrow or Sunday? I, I don't I don't really know what the schedule is like, um, but yeah, so it's uh. This, this, honestly, I didn't think this Trentino team was going to have enough in the tank, especially with the way that they played against Piacenza uh, in the playoffs last weekend. I thought that they kind of emptied the tank to, to play against um, Perugia in the Champions League last week, and I thought that they were going to come out flat, but they did completely the opposite. Yeah, they're just saving their energy for Champions League. It's, 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 the, uh, it's the more important competition, maybe. Uh, speaking of, of the format in, in, in Champions League, maybe we can get into that a little bit now. Um, because You know I love this conversation. You're baiting me right now. Uh, of course. We, <laughs> we, we have six weeks now to the Super Finals. And so I definitely will say being on the other side of this, there's, you know, it's not easy to find a host. It's not easy to find time slots that fit with all the teams because they have their regular season schedules as well. And you can't schedule anything near a playoff game because you need to get all the teams in a few days before do media do set everything up it's very it's not it's not a logistically easy thing especially when you're considering men and women however six weeks is is too long in my opinion for fans to wait um everett so this sparks an idea in my head do you have how how would you change the champions league format well Format like the the competition format or the schedule format because However you want I, it. I think right now I don't know if it's, uh, it's like to me it's probably the leagues having a hard cap of hey this needs to be done by this like like Champions League needs to be not happening between these dates right and I do understand how they want to have that continue um, a little bit. Um, so it, it, it's really it's really going to have to come down to like either convincing the leagues to have Champions League at the same time as playoffs, which I don't think you really have. Like I don't I don't think that's like that's a, that's a really it, it's a hard ask, you know. It, it's 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 a very hard ask, especially when you consider how different leagues have different playoff formats and could have different strains on on different players and stuff like that. Um, but. I do think that this traditional way that we do it, you know, all we do is co- copy the soccer model. You have the, you know, you have to qualify to get into the pools and then you play the pools and then it's whatever the, the top eight teams with quarterfinals on. I think in soccer, they go round of 16 on, right? Um, I don't know if that's the, the best format. And, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. I would love to see, just instead of having the Champions League, the CEV Cup, and the Challenge Cup, bring everyone into one pot, rank them one to sixty-four, and then just have like little mini tournaments like we've seen, like like we we love to do do in volleyball, and do it your traditional kind of tiered system. You got three teams for a tier, you know, you play each other at the end of it. First place teams moves up, second place team stays, last place team moves down. 
you have a few weeks of that to allow some upwards and, and downwards movement. Let let it shake shake it out a little bit. Um, once you get to a certain point, then you go into, into into playoffs. That's what I would love to see. I just don't know. I've never like timed it out to see like how viable is it with how many matches you would need. You know, there's a lot of variables there to to look under. But I think there's something to be said there that the current format that we run our Champions League in it 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 leaves leaves leads leaves a lot to be desired good points all around um what do you think about golden sets are you a fan of those because it was pretty exciting oh i love golden sets it was pretty i love i I love that idea like i love overtime in general you know that's why it's it's great that the nfl is changing their their overtime policies like there's nothing better than overtime hockey like when you go into that extra set in tennis when you're all tied up at at five sets or like six sets a piece love it like when it just adds a lot more pressure uh i especially love it that it's 15 points um more and more and this is kind of would would be in in a much bigger conversation but more and more i'm starting to think that 25 points is too much for indoor Mm -hmm. volleyball and in every set you're going to have a lull Right, I love the sprint um, to, to 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 fifteen points, and yeah, I love the idea of a golden set. Let's not draw it out. Let's just do one set to fifteen. It's a sprint. You gotta battle it out. And I mean, like, look how exciting it was. It, it, we thought Perugia is dead. They went down eight to two. Trentino's rolling. Micheletto misses a serve, and the next thing you know, Leon's teeing off an ace to make it tied up at 14-14. Like, th- that's so much drama. When you have that that short of a time and so much on the line, it just breeds, breeds epicness. I have to agree. Golden sets are very cool, and they have produced some of the best moments in Champions League history. However, I kind of disagree with the principle of it and the fact that we're trying to win games in volleyball. We're not, we're not trying to win sets. Okay. So in my, like, in my opinion, you like... This the set battle sh- shouldn't factor in, unless you're comparing like pool pool rankings. When we're going head to head, it needs to be a best of three or best of one. We got to go odd numbers. That's my okay. Uh, so you want to, uh, it, yeah. But then, but then, how would you determine in a cha- like in a Champions League scenario, for example, say in a, in a hypothetical scenario with with you have four pools. And in the semifinals, you have all first place teams. How do you determine who gets to host that third rubber rubber match? Right, because because at that point, you know, you can't determine first place through through what, so you can't give advantage yeah. to the to the higher ranked team. So how are you going to term, determine that rubber match? It's got to play it in Luxembourg. Play it at the Cotillion. Play it in Luxembourg. Yeah, I don't think either of the teams would be happy with that. No, that's, that, that's, you know. logistically logistically i agree that that is definitely probably the sticking point because um uh, yeah there's no, there's no way to go across pools realistically especially too like are you, you can at make that something point up, like you can make something up yeah plus oh, i don't know the one thing like, i hate the most more than anything is like we saw uh zaxa and yastrebshi vegio where, I do agree. Where they, I agree with that. The where, like, two-set set win full, is yeah, terrible. Yeah, the two-set win. That's not. It's it's just so weird. It's like, it's like you're playing basketball and and you hit seventy points and then you just bring the the bench in and you're like, oh, okay. yeah, you're leading after three quarters and you're just like, yeah, we're done. And, and that's you, all we need. And then you lose the game. You're like, ah, jokes yeah. on you. We won the. I don't like. Yeah. I don't like that. And there's it's a similar also, issue in the Nations League as well sometimes, but. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, we've seen it at the World Championships as well, too, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is – that, to me, is is, is is a question. I would almost rather see – like, hear me out. Rather than having it be, like, a best of five, I'd rather see um, your game be, like, a best of – like, if instead of best of five, make it a best of four – and if you do tie it up, then you have the extra the extra round, but it's still a win. You know, it's not a lesser win. Okay. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like you need to you need to win three. Ah, oh, it's still the same thing. Never mind. <laughs> I okay. was just trying to. Yeah, I was just trying to rebox it. It's not as easy. It's not as easy as it sounds. Okay. No. Before we move on, one the one change I, I uh, I've been begging to make in Champions League since I've been involved with it. 
is they need to qualify the winner of CV Cup to Champions League automatically. 100%. But this is this is exactly why like I I think my system would be way better. It's like we would erase all of that. Eventually you could you could coordinate it off like once you have the playoffs you go, you know, teams like 1 through 16 are in are in the the top group and teams 1 through whatever are in this group. Um kind of like a beach volleyball type thing. Exactly. Right? Like when you play like men's league beach volleyball and you just, you know, have 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 the tier system. All right. Okay. That's that's what I think would be would be the best because it just allows for for all of those teams and I mean, of course you could you could use the the previous years so if like Russia one finishes one and then Italy one finishes two you would have those rankings and then whoever qualifies for the next year is just slots in that so like Luxembourg one is probably slotting in at sixty four and is going to stay there the entire time right. And that's that's how it that's how I'd like to see it. Just bring everyone in, because and, and then you still have everyone play, which is one of the main criticisms that people have of some of the alternatives suggested. Is that you know the, these these smaller clubs do in smaller countries do do get a lot of uh, benefit out of, and they do really like playing in pan European competitions. So yeah, so it'd be tough to cut them out completely if you're going. Yeah, no, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to cut them out completely, but you want to have like playing against like and similar skill sets playing against similar skill sets, right? And you want to have the ability, like Guidetti has talked about it, like what benefit does Vakufbank have to travel up to Finland to play Salo? You know, yeah, just like yeah. like LP Salo, like they just don't, right? Whereas I think if you like, especially on the men's side, if you get those like France versus Germany versus Turkey battles versus greece sometimes like belgium like that's where it gets interesting that's where it gets fun but half of champions league especially in the group stage is like we know the two teams are going to be moving on we know how this is going to go one team is going to go six and no another team is going to go four and two and then like so so on and so forth so let's change it up a little bit let's let's create a system that benefits volleyball let's not just create a system because soccer did it first well honestly (laughs) honestly sometimes i feel like like volleyball tries to be that little brother to soccer, and he, they're just running around like, "Hey, you guys, wait for me!" You know, they're well, they're just. It, it's, I think it's it's not as intentional as you're making it sound. I feel like it's it's just the result as a result of so much cross pollination with FIFA and UEFA. And, and, and oh yeah, hundred percent. So um, there's not enough North Americans. <laughs> not okay, uh, next topic here. Uh, Let's do a preview of the superfinals here, Everett. Because we know our teams. We know Zach's and Trentino. A rematch. A rematch. A Polish team getting to the superfinals again. The dam has been broken. It's, it's flooding now. Trentino was on no one's predicted list to make the superfinals. What are your initial thoughts here on this matchup? Um, I mean, hey, it's a lot of fun that it's going to be the rematch. Um, I think it's two teams that play very tidy volleyball and but obviously they both have phenomenal pieces but we're not talking about like a leon level talent out there like no one is really going to blow you blow you away i think the match is going to be a well thought out match i'm a little disappointed that um it's not a two-game series because i would love to see a one-game matchup go down and then a, no, like and then have no the way. answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to no. see. I want to see one the adjustments. One game is so much better. No, on ah. on numbers, Everett. On numbers. I don't know. I just like to see. Like, man, could you think about that? Like the, like even like I would love to see them on back to back days. You know, play like a Friday Saturday. I mean, or like a Saturday Sunday. That that would be awesome. But then you might then you have a golden set, and then you have these the amazing, weird... a golden set, a golden set for Champions League. That's fantastic. That's beautiful. Like Rob almost cried after the game yesterday. He said it so himself on the broadcast. Um, and I mean, I'm not was I'm not getting that emotional about it, but still, it was it was phenomenal. There was so much drama involved that I would love that. Um, but I love like I love the idea of being able to answer. And to like switch up your game plan and to play it again, just specifically in this scenario, because I think it's two teams that, because they haven't seen each other since last year at this time, and they've both changed so much, right? Like, Zaxis is, is is arguably still there's there's a lot of similar pieces, whereas on the other side, other than Mikaletto, 
you know, this is a much different, a much different Trentino. No, team. no Namir, no Gianelli, no Lucarelli. That's like, it's like so. So you're losing three of the best players at their position in their back. And you know what? You know what's crazy too, though. You think they're better than that last I, year? I think they're better than last oh, year. Oh my goodness! Okay. I think they're better than last year. Oh, in this <laughs> scenario, I, my my chair just my chair just fell. Um, but yeah, no, I think they're better than last year. Like last year, I was Team Zaxa. I'm picking them, and I mean, I think everyone was. The whole Discord was. But uh, no, this year, I think I'm Team Trentino. I like if Trentino can come and be healthy. Like I'm assuming they will be in May. Then yeah, I think it's I'm Team Trentino. I don't know. I think I think Zaxa is in a really good position here because they're they're so different than than any of the teams that Trentino's going up against in the Super League that have had a lot of success against, like these these huge serving, these big physical teams like Perugia, where where Zax is a, a lot more of a finesse team. And you can't really just throw up like these huge serves and these huge blocks. You can't have, you know, Liznach and Pedrashnin roaming and just like, you know, crushing but, but crushing balls. Trentino's and... Trentino's a finesse team too. Right out of all the teams, you would have to make the argument in the Superlega that like Trentino is the most finesse team, like them in Milano, which is what makes that first round matchup so interesting. Um, That's what I mean. I think I think Zax is the better finesse team than Trentino. I think Trentino is able to win these games because they could out out finesse the the big guns. Whereas I don't know. I I I don't know. That's what that's what I, I think that these are two teams that are evenly matched. Right, and I think when you when you put it up a, 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 against them, and I mean, obviously, I think Trentino, despite on paper having taken a step backwards, have actually taken a step forwards, uh, whereas Dax take, has taken a slight step backwards uh, from last year. So, yeah, I cool. think it's. I also just realized just now that you have a Trentino background. So, <laughs> yeah. I love. Uh, yeah, I I like a lot of the guys on that team. Spent a lot of time with them at Eurovolley, and uh, and actually at the Super Finals last year. Micheletto, very cool guy. So I I like Zaxa too. Though. I I just I just chose this background because because that amazing game, and to hide my messy uh, office here. Um, hey, you got COVID, so we're gonna give you a break on that. <laughs> so we'll break down. Obviously, this is just a light sampling of a heavier breakdown. For the super finals but we don't want to give away too much because mm-hmm. there's so much time out here so everett I, I posed a couple questions to you here before the podcast first one related to the super finals kind of is simone gianelli overrated you know coming into this match i would have said absolutely not uh, or coming in before this match i would have said you know absolutely not um and I still think my answer is no. I don't think he's overrated in the slightest. Do I think he was part of the problem in for Perugia in this in this series? Yes. Um, we talked about the numbers of going to the middle and how he was using his middles. Um, I think in times, especially in the past month or month or two when we've seen Perugia be really successful he's utilized those middles Soleil has been putting up double digit numbers right Mengozi has been getting into the action even Fabio Ricci when he's coming in off the bench is is getting into it but only giving like what was it 22 22 attempts in total for your middles over six sets that's not enough volume and to me that that only comes down to your your setter's decisions. Yes, I'm absolutely sure that Leon's demanding a certain amount of volume, but that's your job as the setter to try to try to navigate that. And I mean, let's be honest, like they didn't have a great game overall. It looked like Trentino was going to be able to just win it outright uh, at a certain point, um, and and Perugia was going to be able to come back. So, um, I think maybe. Gianelli has benefited over the past few years of playing in that Trentino system. And that Trentino system is very similar to the Italian system where, you know, he's kind of working with everyone and it's a very, very collaborative effort. You know, everyone is, is, is all hands on decks. Whereas maybe he's not uh, as good as game management when you're having to do deal with those type of things. Right. 
Um, I would honestly, I would have to go back and watch quite a bit more uh, from the volumetrics angle uh, as opposed yeah, to the the, sure. the the broadcast angle, just to, just to see a little bit more. But I also think that like Gianelli, at the end of the day, is still learning and is still growing, and it seems like he's a veteran in this game, but he's still relatively I mean, young he's not that young is he what, what what's what's he sitting at it's 95 i think so he would be uh 20 26 uh, 27 okay yeah he's kind of getting okay maybe, maybe you're right I mean, but still like he's been around I still, like a while with the high grade. yeah i i still think that i i i think that basically you have the ability to you like i i think he had a bad game i think he had a bad series yeah. um and that there was things that he would change if he could go back but would I falter? Like, if I was Perugia, would I go out and get another setter? Hell no. no. Right? There's there's so few people that you could pick up that, that are going to be better than him. And at the end of the day, I just think that maybe what we're seeing is a change in volleyball where if you have a player like Leon, he doesn't have the ability to dominate as good as, as, good as he could before because that quality of young players... Ah. is is coming up so high you know i was actually listening to um kevin durant on jj reddick's podcast earlier today and you know they were kind of talking about how much better these young players are are becoming and how so how hard it is to dominate because you know like back back when durant was was coming up in the game we could have never imagined like you know it was lebron and durant and, and kobe but now we've got you know the Nikola Jokic and obviously Luca, Pascal Siakam. You've got all these guys coming in from from different areas, and I think we're seeing that exactly in volleyball, where we've got all of these guys who are coming up and who are, who are so good and, and so young that maybe that highball style of volleyball that Leon really dominated at when he was at Zenit Kazan, and like they're trying to trying to bring to this Brugia team, maybe it's just not conducive anymore in the modern era of, era of volleyball. Yeah, especially in volleyball, in my opinion, like where we still, I think we're still such a far away, away from like the skill, the skill ceiling. Like I think there's still so many areas to explore. I still think technically it's still, especially physically and athletically, it's still like a relatively, um, at least when you compare it to like football or, or uh, basketball or something like that, there's still a lot of, a lot of stuff to uh, discover, especially like analytics, I feel like are, are, are not even close to where they could be in volleyball as well. But all very, all very fair points with, with Mr. Gianelli. And, and I think one thing we always have to bring up w- with Simone is that he's such a good like, locker room presence as well. Like, he, he, is, he is a natural leader, very charismatic guy. He's going to bring the team together. Tough, tough. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of personalities on this team, although I have to say, actually, everyone, everyone on this team is pretty chill with Ms. Matt Anderson and uh, Leon. But the one thing, other than his setting, you know, I wasn't seeing from Gianelli in this series. It was just like the extra stuff, the blocks, the serves, the digs, because that's that's what I want Simone Gianelli on my team for. There's a lot of guys who can set a ball to four as well as Simone Gianelli. Lots of guys. But there's not a lot of 6'6 six, six guys who can, you know, target, have a very strong jump serve, play really good defense for their size. Uh, only two points in this series. Two points, which is, is wow. It's pretty low for for, for Gianelli. Both of them blocked. That's, yeah. yeah, absolutely, and especially when you consider that this we played the series had eleven sets in it. Yeah, right. That that's a lot of volleyball played, and that's not a lot of output. And you know what? I think that just kind of lends credence to what I was kind of saying before that as good as this Perugia team is, there's just something that doesn't quite fit with them quite yet. And I mean, maybe it's similar to. Um, you know, LeBron going to Miami in his first year, not being able to, to quite find that that fit before they, they made it work. Um, but yeah, like it just, it seems that he's kind of stepped away since being with Perugia, he's stepped away from being with that that player. And I mean, especially with, when we, he was with Trentino, a lot of the times like he he was that guy. So he had to bring that that extra attitude and that, that extra um you know, those extra plays to the, to the game, whereas now he's just trying to focus on being the setter. And I think I think that's ultimately to the detriment of Perugia and any team that he's on. Yeah, only 12 digs in this one, too, behind Mr. Matt Anderson and Massimo Colacci. They're on the same as Leon. So, yeah. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. There's not a lot of fingers left to, to point here in Perugia. They, they, could definitely re- they could definitely redeem their season. They still have a very good shot at, at winning the Super Lega title. Champions mm-hmm. League is, is there's such it's, a small it's, sample it's, size. Anything can happen. We've seen. We've seen. It's. Sorry, go ahead. I've seen. We've seen this happen plenty of times where these like super expensive mega teams just fizzle out. I mean, it's not even that early, <laughs> right? Right before no. the end, in the closest possible way. But uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's it's tough sometimes. Um, but it's. I think it's Scudetto or bust right now for Perugia. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I would still peg them as favorites for the Scudetto. I think, yeah, me too. I think all this talk that we're doing, it's it's good analysis, but at the end of the day, like it, it really, I think a lot of it came down to the service. If they if they make five less errors and in, in in four more aces, then then this series is done. As so often hap- is the case in volleyball, especially with a team like Perugia. So, anyway, we'll, we'll see. Season's not over yet. Um, no. I had one more question though, to uh, not to be so negative here. Um, Alessandro Micheletto, does he have, is it too early to call, greatest of all time potential volleyball player? No, not after this. Um, I'm not saying he is at, the GOAT. Does he have no, the potential like, if his career goes a certain way? Is it too early after, to talk about it? No, and af- after this series, and it, it's like he's had such an evolution in my mind of first being like, Oh, that's cute. You know, the young lefty. Like, he looks so cute out there. Used to like, be a libero. Like, oh, like used hilarious. to be a libero. Like, remember when he, remember when Trentino was trying to qualify for Champions League at the beginning of last season? And they're playing Dino Kazan. And, you know, Dick Coy was <laughs> injured. And Lucarelli wasn't playing great. And here comes Micheletto. And we were just like, just play even. You know, yeah. just pass a few balls. You know, get a few continues, maybe get a few kills, um, because he did kind of come in. He was like a little bit shy and a little bit awkward and a little bit lanky, but you've just seen him grow. And I think he's starting to, you know what? It, it, it's very reminiscent to me of a young Giannis, of like he's starting to like come into his own body. And it's almost like he's Iron Man, where he's like just discovering all of these different levels of, of himself. And he's really starting to find that peak. And I think you have to now consider him as amongst that elite level of outsides. Like it's like, you know, we had that conversation, that conversation of who would you want as a young player between rock Mozic and Yant and, and Micheletto. And to me, there's no question anymore. It's Micheletto. Just look at the things he's doing. Look at the shots he's making. He's an absolute unicorn and no one is like him in the game right now. Yeah, this is like what we're talking about. The ceiling is so much higher in volleyball that we give it credit for. But I don't think I've ever seen a player make the leap that he did last summer. And if you think no. about if you think about what his summer was, it was Super Finals where you know you have that's a t- tough loss against Saxa. Then you go right into Nations League where he played the entire time, and then you go into Olympics where he was on the Olympic team, and <laughs> then you go into European Championships and you win the whole thing. And like you were definitely the second choice for MVP of the championship, and probably could have. You know, made a legitimate uh, argument that he could have been the MVP as well, and then you know hit, hit the ground running, Trentino. But of course, that's a pretty good setup there, <laughs> to going through all those tournaments. And uh, yeah, he added the attacking to his game. He improved his serving a bunch. He got way stronger. Like it's just everything is coming together. Like I, I, I was like, okay, if if this guy can like block and pass, you know, that's amazing. He's gonna be. A, a really good starter for Italy and and but then he just added the serving and attacking and not only added it like he's he, you know he's a leading he's one of the leading scorers of the Super League and one of the best attackers in position four in volleyball so yeah very very impressive but I think sorry to, when we're saying the goat who who are you who who are you comparing him to because for me it's uh although it hasn't gone his way the last few years but it's still probably will fairly on but I mean that's exactly it like he's going toe to toe. With Leon, like he's putting up better numbers than Leon, right? And he's doing it with a lesser supporting cast than Leon, but right? Like, like. But I'm saying, do you think he has the potential to reach the accolades that Leon has, where he's winning, you know, five Champions League, where he's, you know, the best server, best scorer of, of Russian Italy, pretty much every year, where multiple, multiple MVPs. No, 
because I think volleyball is more skilled than it was then. And we're going to, we have more quality players than we did then. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it, it's like, like that, that Zena Kazan team was able to dominate for so many years because, you know, like going back to Matt Anderson, that's exactly when Matt Anderson was a top five outside and a top side, uh, top five outside opposite. Right. That's when Leon was was the best player in the world. Plus, you had Mikhailov, who was also another top five opposite. I I think, and then like once you got past those guys, and like the next few, like the gap fell off so hard. And like yeah, you had like a, a few good teams, and like Perugia or yeah, whether it's Perugia or Lube or Modena, maybe Trentino uh, uh, a few times, but ultimately like that was it. Um, I think it's also going to be more difficult for Micheletto too, because let's be honest, this whole as we're going to look up at the transfers in a, in a little bit this whole thing with russia is really kind of blowing a lot of things up yes. right and a lot of that quality of foreigners who usually would go pl- play in russia are now coming into either poland or italy so it's just going to create a, a bigger concentration of the best players thus making it harder oh. for for micheletto true but also a great thing for fans because that's that great thing i i would love a bigger i know i know it's it, there's no way of making it fair but uh, you know, I would love a bigger concentration of talent. Um, but you're you're right. I, I think also one thing about that we have to what that Zenikazan run is like, yeah, the Champions League didn't go as deep. I feel like now you have like four or five really really like elite teams every year, whereas maybe like ten years ago it was you know two or three. It yeah, wasn't quite exactly. as difficult to uh, to get through. Yeah, exactly. Like the the top of the top teams were going to be be able to make it. I mean, like in the past 10 years we've seen teams from like germany and turkey and france maybe not so much france but definitely like germany and turkey we've te- seen these teams make deep runs uh at champions league tournaments right where that's just not happening now because of how much quality we're seeing in places like poland and, and italy yeah all right so guys let us know in the youtube comments is gianelli overrated does micheletto have a chance to be the goat I feel like no one ever talks about that in volleyball. Like, no, like, it's it's so hard and it, it's so and subjective. You, yeah, it, it's in position versus position in volleyball, so distinct. Exactly. So, so it's yeah, it, it's it's it's, it's difficult. But I mean, hey, from what he's already done in his in his young age, and like, how how old is Micheletto? It's two thousand two, so two thousand one. Oh, two thousand one. Okay, right. So he's what twenty two? Twenty? No, he'd be 20? No, t- 20, 21. 20. He's he's December December fifth of twenty Jeez. of, of two thousand one. So he what just turned he guy. turned twenty in December, and oh, so he's yeah. not twenty two yet or twenty one yet. He's ju- he's just twenty. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, also also a very funny guy. Uh, I, I liked uh, interviewing him uh, when I have got the opportunity to in the past. Um, oh. Okay, so for our next I guess last segment here, Everett and I thought it would be kind of fun to go over just some of the transfer rumors on volleyball see see what's percolating up in there and, and we can kind of have some fun with it discuss uh what, you know what what the potential ramifications of the of these uh moves would be um i'm gonna pull it up oh that's the wrong window here let's pull it up transfer rumors there we go and then we can also discuss some that we've also heard uh, as well Yes, exactly. Um, I'm just going to pull up the transfers here. Okay. No, why is it showing? Okay, there we go. All right. Can I guess you can't see it, but we probably I'm, on the but same page. Yeah, I've I've got it up. All right. So. None of this is official, guys. So we'll, we'll, we'll conf- some of them are. We'll confirm it if if we if we can confirm it, but just treat unless we say otherwise. Treat it as just a rumor. Uh, every any of that jump off the page for you right away. Oh, I'm on the wrong, I'm on the wrong page. I'm looking at technically last year's. All right. Um, well, I mean, starting off like I'm going to start with one that is a done deal, and that's going to be Yuji Nishida heading back to Japan. Heading back to play for JTEC. Uh, played one year. Um, definitely got the short end of the stick playing for Vivo with everything that happened with Douglas leaving, just how that team was constructed, all that stuff. 
I would have liked to have seen him stay in Super uh, Lega for one year just to see him kind of battle it out and where where see where he'd fall. Um, I won't be. Uh, ups- I'm not upset about him leaving because it means that Power Volley and Titans Volley won't be making garbage videos about him being the best player in the world. Uh, they every single, every single, they still will. They still will. Uh, you're you're not wrong, but at least it won't be like. You know, the time that Nijishita and Zaitsev played each other. And they got nine points together combined in the match. But we're still going to talk about them. Um, so, ultimately, I, I it would have been great to see him thrive a little bit and, you know, do some stuff. I still think he's put up some good numbers. But, ultimately, I think Japan is where he belongs. Right? I, I, no, I, uh, no. He's why way, not? He's way too good for Japan. He's way too good. He should be playing in Italy. Like he, he's he was clearly good enough. I I don't know. Like he, he remember we always forget how young Yuji Nishida is. He's like the same age as Mikaleto almost. Like he's is still he? he's still a young guy, two thousand, yeah. Um, although I was yeah. wrong on Mikaleto, so I could be wrong on that one. Um, we saw he's one of the best servers in the entire Super League of last year. Like like obviously there was a ton of like drama behind the scenes stuff that went on with that team, and it kind of sucks. I think that it, his Super League experience was kind of tainted like that because I definitely. Like think that it would probably went differently in his head before he was coming over, and uh, you know the culture shock, Japan versus Italy, it's tough. And uh, you know he's making he'll make a lot of money in Japan. He get tons of endorsement deals. You know get to be the star, the face of the league. You know there's a lot of benefits. I completely understand why I would do it, but I know I, I, I just think he should he needs to test himself. He needs to go up against the best because he is. I think he does have potential to be one of like the best opposites in the world or at least top kind of 15 20 and i don't think he's there yet and i don't think he'll ever get there if he's gonna you know be hitting Greg, finish and i don't think he's gonna get there by hitting 50 balls per game against like five foot 11 blockers you don't think he's in the top 20 opposites okay yeah sorry top 10 you're right you're right to call me out on that top because i actually i have i have him right outside the top 10 kind of thing but it's still, okay. it's still big. I, he's a very good player, but he, and again, yeah, he's just he's just good enough to play outside of uh, Japan. I thought Italy was the perfect for him because Ishikawa is there, and you know you have. I I think it was it was really just like you're playing for a shitty club. Yeah. You know, okay, like you're playing, you're, you're you're playing you're playing for a bad club, and you had a bad experience because let's be honest everything like like i i doubt like the support systems from zvibo behind the scenes are good you know i ben Ben patch had had issues with the club as well yeah exactly so i think that it's just one of those things that if he had if he had gone and played for a trentino or a milano you know even like piacenza monza hell even maybe if chisterna uh maybe it would be better just probably used him yeah, absolutely. They they could they they could have right, um, but you know what? It it is what it is. He's heading back to Japan, and uh, well, we'll see if he comes back. I I really hope he does. I really hope he does because I, I I really enjoyed watching him. Like I I, t- I tuned into so many Valencia games that I should never have watched this year, <laughs> just just to watch him play because he, he's fun. Um, a little less dynamic outside of the J- J- Japan system, though. I, I will say that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, looking at some of these rumors, let's see the first one that jumps off the page for me. Number one that I'm seeing right here, Nomori Keita, the dynamic M- Malian. He's from Mali, uh, out of out no of uh, Africa. He has so been sick. rushing it, dropping like 50 point games in Korea the past few years. He is rumored to be replacing Mads Jensen at Verona next year. That's what, the first th- that's, one. That's that's an upgrade. I'll say that. That's a that's a massive upgrade. Uh, like, and I mean, I doubt very many people watching this or listening to this have watched a lot of Korean league. I actually have. I mean, I've watched a couple of games, and like, he's the guy's got a cannon. He also definitely one of the best athletes in volleyball for sure. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And it's like he he actually originally spent some time uh, in the Perugia system. Right oh, where I did he, not know that. he he has trained with Perugia. I've seen like stuff on Instagram and, and 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 stuff like that. He's played a little bit in in Serbia as well. Has been lighting it up 
and for the past few seasons in um in korea but i mean this is a classic verona move go get a young somewhat unproven physical opposite and see how it works but yeah namuri keda to um to uh verona i mean some people might have found their next favorite volleyball player next year. I, I, I truly believe that. Like, he is a fun, dynamic player. He's got star power. He, like, play, loves playing with the crowd. So hopefully he gets some great, good crowds from him. And, in, and he's kind of unique. Year. You always love a unique player. He's that kind of windmill attack. Have you seen, you've seen his windmill attacks? Those are hilarious. Uh, I'm, I, I would be interested to see him play in Italy compared to Korea. You know, he can kind of yeah. do whatever he wants in Korea, and I wonder if he can make that transition. He, I, I think, I think based on what I've seen, he's still going to be comparable pretty favorably to to most opposites in uh, in Italy. Even uh, he, he's a very athletic guy, and, and yeah, I'm pretty confident. I think he's going to hit the ground running. I think he's going to be better than Mads Jensen. Who I'm not as, as critical of Mads as you are, but yeah. Probably, probably Super League of starting opposite was not his destiny. Um, no, de- definitely not. Uh, and then once you go right underneath that, the next rumor that I'm seeing here, Flavio, who was the one bright spot for uh, Vibo this year, potentially heading to Perugia, which would really help with the discussion that, that we just had. Yes. Uh, I mean, Soleil, Flavio, probably Soleil still, I would, I would take, but Flavio is still one of the best like middles, super athletic guy, uh, definitely a different player than than Soleil. He's, he's a he's got a quite a hammer, very strong attacker, uh, can run a few different routes as well. Uh, uh, Perugia, I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe they're like, okay, we got we got to get some big better middles to match up against the uh, you know the Pedrashinins and the Lizanaches and the Simones of the world. Because um, yeah, I guess that is a weakness for them. Uh, I like Flavio. I'm glad he's staying in Italy. Yeah, or at least it should, it should, probably. Yeah, or 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 at, or at least rumored. Um, so yeah, moving down a little bit, potentially two rumors headed to Trentino. Uh, Donovan does Veronica out of Monza, and then Jania Grabenikov out of ZSP. So that would make. Does like are they really is is Trentino if if they make this move are they going away from Kaczynski are they going away from a three hitter system? Well, part, part, I just don't part know. Of me thinks that the uh, Italian players might have uh, got some pretty good offers just based on how valuable like like it would be really tough for them to keep you know a Spertoli and a Lavia and a Micheletto and it's just Micheletto alone I'm sure is uh, <laughs> I'm sure it could command a pretty ridiculous salary now. Um, that being said, Grabenikov and Zavaronik, two two very high level players too. Especially Zavaronik, who I think really took took a step this year, at least through the eye test. Maybe stats wise, not as much, but um, yeah, Grabenikov. I mean, he played on Trentino before. Let's come back home. Yeah, that that would be interesting. And I mean, to add potential credence to that, it looks like Monza is looking at uh, Bednorsch and as well as Gabriele Di Martino. Um, to bring into to Monza. So, you know, Dazrana comes out, Bezhnorsh comes in for Monza, potentially. Uh, I've also heard some rumors that Stephen Marr has signed uh, at, at Monza as well. So that... Oh, fresh, so Barta, fresh off the press. Should add it to yeah, the volleybox I, uh, section there. I thought I heard this, like, like uh, I it was in our, uh, our Discord chat a long time ago. So, yeah. There's, all these signings are, are pretty are pretty tough to follow in volleyball. It's a lot of closed doors. It's a lot of like, you know, the player tells a friend, and then the friend like tells someone else, and that's how the word gets out. It's it's not as uh there's there's not as many uh what do you call them people hunting hunting the news like yeah. in other sports. There's no there's not a lot of woges around. Exactly. Luca Lucarelli is potentially the man who has the most rumors to his name. Okay. Rumored, rumored to go. I've seen rumors for him to go to Zaxa, to go to Piacenza, see back to, Brazil. to go, go back to Brazil and play for Minas, or also to Milano, which I thought was the randomest one. Well, you know, it looks like uh, I, I like Milano, Piacenza, Monza. You know, ponying up a little bit, spending a bit more. That, that's exciting. There's lots of players to spend money on. Uh, I'm, I'm down. I, it'd be so fun if there were like six teams deep in the in the Super League instead of just always four. Um, yeah, I, I would think that. Luca really kind of had a weird year. I, like I don't think he was bad by any means. 
But his time in Italy, first on Trentino last year, now on Lube, I don't know. He, he just seems to fade into, into the distance. He kind of always seems like a second or third option on, on whatever team he's on. Whereas, you know, Lucarelli, when I, when I think of him with, with the Brazilian team, I'm like, damn, like, that's Lucarelli. He's like the, the man on the, on the Brazilian team. So, I don't we know. thought about that, that about a Douglas as well, though. Yeah, true. Yeah, the Brazilians, specifically in Italy, uh, have struggled the last few years. Bruno has struggled this year too. Is Bruno going back to? Is he staying in in, in, in Italy? I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't seen anything uh, anything from him. I do think that um, international volleyball, and I remember talking about this with TJ Sanders last year about how club volleyball is very athlete driven, and international volleyball is very system driven. Okay. Yeah. Right. So. I think that, you know, like we see players like Nishida and Lucarelli who really thrive within a team system. Whereas you see maybe other players like I know Namir has had some good times with with uh, the Netherlands, but it's still not up to like he's well, a much I'd... better player in 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 a, in a process. I don't know if that is necessarily his fault. <laughs> OK, well, I mean, hey, we can look at Leon well, and how he struggled, struggled with 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 Poland. Ever, can you name me the Dutch setter um no yeah no <laughs> so i mean wasn't it that didn't he play for perugia for a little while ago well we have or... we have wessel keemink okay we have uh Jais van yorna okay i've heard of keemink for for sure he before. played he played back up on modena one year and yeah and, and i'm van pretty Yorna sure he played also... uh he, he played for the uh london club london england club what are they called? Oh, yeah. okay. IB Bologna. IB Bologna. IB, IB Bologna. IB Bologna. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, my point enough. is. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, I, as I go down this list a little bit here, a couple of um, rumors of, from Poland. One is Luke Perry going to Gdansk. Nice. Interesting Interesting sign signing. Um, you know, I know you're going to be moving to Poland, but I don't know how good like Gdansk is, like a bottom of the table team this year. So, interesting. Gdansk, the other, it's a it's an off year for them. They're usually pretty good. I feel. You're not wrong. They're usually in the the, the top four. Like they're sometimes a Champions League team. Uh, then the next one there, Thibaut Gasol, heading back to uh, partner with his bang bro. Ooh, that's shouldn't have probably said that. That that came out way <laughs> way way worse than I wanted it to. Uh, but partnering back up with TJ DeFalco at Rosovia. All right, Rosso. No, I don't like that though. It's gonna be. Like they're gonna go to Rostovia and then play like sh- shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, you think so? That's what happened. This is it's a Rostovia curse. The last five years, any You're not every wrong. every every year. Oh, they've been all, they've been alright this year. Um, okay, last one before we uh, we tidy up here because we could talk about this for <laughs> we, we could we could hours. talk about this for uh, a while. I see Irvin Engapet and Yoandi Leal to Piacenza. So is that is that really where Piacenza's budget's gonna be? That's that's pretty crazy because even if they don't get those players. You know, if you if you if you if you come waving around like these hundred k bills, like there's gonna be good players to follow. You know, you know it's not like it's not you don't really have to actively recruit too hard when you when you got that much money to spend. So that's that's really interesting to me. Yeah, that would be uh, really interesting. Um, I mean, I think Piacenza is really starting to throw. Like we already know that they've signed. Um, that they've signed uh, Simone for next year, so that's absolutely huge. Um, and yeah, I think Piacenza is going to be throwing around some money. We already know that Lube is having some budget issues. We've seen Modena talk about it. I'm sure that they're having more budget issues this year because of more matches lost to COVID. They thought they were going to be doing, you know, a deeper run in the CEV Cup. All all of these things. So, yeah, uh, interesting, interesting um, move there. Yeah. All right. Um. Wait, wait, wait. There is one more that I'm okay, seeing. Okay, here. okay, okay, okay. Pavel Pankov to Zenit Kazan. Okay, makes sense. He's, he's the best Russian setter, so. But it also it uh, it it would also make sense in the sense that um, uh, what what do we call it? Uh, but Michael Christensen is going to be leaving. So who's going to be picking up uh, Michael Christensen? True, true. Right, like that's the that is the big like white whale of free agency. A, a here. lot of the big teams seem to seem to already have a good setter, so. 
Yeah, like Gianelli, Gian, Gianelli's locked in. We don't really know what's happening with Bruno, but I'm guessing he's locked in at for, for Modena next year. Or he's going to be heading back to Brazil, right? I don't think he's going to be playing for another team in, in Superliga. Um, like who else is elite? Setter-wise, DiCecco? DiCecco, obviously. DiCecco is, uh, is potentially rumored to actually go to Piacenza. So. Ah. Uh, the the Dechaco the 2013 2014 uh, return of Dechaco to Simon that I mean that was a legendary connection. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. That was a good 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 trek through the rumors. We'll see which ones come true, which ones don't. Probably some some of the ones we did were already probably signed. But anyway, everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the Five One Volleyball Podcast. Hopefully, we'll be back in person next week, unless unless we get more COVID. Uh, COVID issues, but hopefully not. Everett, thank you so much for joining me. Anything you wanna wanna say to the listeners before we head out? No, make sure you check us out. Uh, Dan will be back on the nine by nine with us next week. Uh, if you haven't checked out that episode from yesterday, make sure from two no yeah Wednesday Wednesday. Make sure you go check that out and uh, yeah tune in for check this out next week too. All right, see ya.